0: It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real.
1: I'm Stacy Farquison. And I'm
0: Stacy Trisankos. Welcome to our 16th episode on Monday, October 3rd, the 27th week in ordinary time. We uh <laughs> we like to count things. We're Catholic.
1: Yes. Um and I love it.
0: <laughs> and thank you for being here with us today. We have a good episode planned. Mm, stacy Farquison is going to um <laughs> Someday we need to have a test on how to spell our names. Stacy Farquharson know, right? is going to uh, do her scripture reflection and her prayer for us. Um has got a, a very um, interesting scripture today on uh, loving your neighbor and the, the story of the Good Samaritan. And um, then we're going to talk about a difficult issue. And hey, we're, we said we're getting real. We're not afraid to dive into these issues. We talk about issues that we struggle with. Um mm-hmm. So we're not wagging a finger, but guys, we need to have a talk about gluttony (laughs) uh, because we fall prey to it ourselves. But I I do think that it's good for us to consider this. It's real easy for us happily married Catholics to want to shake a finger at all the sexual sin in the culture and say, oh, it's so terrible. The whole culture is going to hell. That is a valid concern but I, but i think gluttony is also something we need to talk about and uh something i teach in one of my courses so we're going to have we're going to dive into that after stacy does her beautiful scripture reflection over to <laughs> you partner <Okay.
1: laughs> all right here we go let's say our prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit lord we thank you for this day and lord i just pray that um That you would help us to walk in love, to love you more, uh, to love others in a way that would bring you glory. Lord, please open the eyes of our understanding that we would comprehend the scriptures today and give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear what you have to say to us. We really want to hear you, Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Okay, and always, as always, Grab your Bible, get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and go spend some time with the Lord today. So today we're going to read, um, we're going to look at the gospel reading, and it's in the book of Luke chapter 10, and it says, there was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, Jesus replied to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. We're going to pause right there and talk about that section before we move on. This is a lawyer that just asked this question, a scholar of the law. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I can just picture, have you ever been in a classroom or a group setting where someone is teaching and everybody's just wishing somebody would ask this one question and nobody does it and then finally somebody asks the question. Everybody's waiting to hear the answer to and they're like, okay, the whole room gets quiet because everybody wants to hear the answer. I feel like this was the question. What do we do to inher- inherit eternal life? This passage is also in Mark. Now, Luke is an attorney. And when he asks the question, um, or I mean not Luke, in the book of Luke, the person that asked this question is an attorney. And when he asks this, Jesus refers to the law. He says, What does it say in the law? But in the book of Mark, it says there a scribe asks him the question. So when Jesus responds, He pulls from Deuteronomy, which is uh, one of the first books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. And they are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The reason that I point this out, that Jesus responded to the lawyer and asked him what was written in the law. And then Jesus responds to the scribe and um, goes to the book of Deuteronomy. The reason that I point that out is because i thought it was interesting if i were a surgeon jesus not talk to me in medical terms but i'm just a country girl so when god answers me when god talks to me he keeps it simple god's not going to talk to me and stacy the same way i mean he knows my va- vocabulary and stacy he knows your vocabulary. <laughs> And he's going to be able to talk to you a lot differently because you've studied theology and chemistry. I have no idea the words, you know, sometimes you say a word and I'm like, wait, let me talk to Webster. (laughs) I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what that means. So I just wanted to say that wherever you are, God will meet you there and he's going to talk to you in a way that you can understand what he's saying. So let's read Mark. It says, then one of the scribes who had listened to these discussions and who had observed how well Jesus answered them. Asked Jesus, which is the first of all the commandments? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to Jesus, well said, teacher. You have truly said he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than any burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw with what great understanding he had spoken, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The scribe gets it. You know, we talked a few podcasts um, ago about God desiring mercy more than sacrifice. In Hosea 6.6, 6, it says, for steadfast love rather than sacrifice is what pleases me. And in 1 Corinthians, it says that three things endure, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Okay, not trying to oversimplify, but why is the greatest love? Well. God is love and every good and perfect gift comes from him. I mean, there's some truth to that old song. All we need is love. Love is all we need because God is love. (laughs) We talk a lot about love, I know, but that's because it's in the scriptures a lot. A lot of the daily readings, a lot of the scriptures that we've been looking at are about love. It's obviously very important. We are to love the Lord, our God, and each other. You know, I think about, I think about when my kids get together for holidays, Christmas, Mother's Day, and I start asking them, okay, when I call and talk to each one, okay, you be nice to your (laughs) brothers and sisters now. That's what I want. I just want you to be nice. And of course, some of them will say, yeah, but, you know, he did this or she did that. And eventually I will say, will you just be nice for me? Mm -hmm. Will you just do it for me, please? And they will, they will say, okay. For you, I'll do it. And it's funny because like I, I know several times we've been all together. And one of them will look at me across the room and with their expression on their face, I know that they are saying, mm-hmm. Mom, did you just hear that? I'm keeping my mouth shut and I'm doing it just for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Words. looking back at them yeah. going, I'm looking right back at him, going, thank you, babe. You can do uh-huh. it. Thank you. Stay, Stay strong. strong. Yes. <laughs> Zip it. We can communicate with them without ever saying I anything. Know but we are all God's children and we should treat each other as such. It pleases him for us to love each other. And that's why it talks about love and mercy so much in scripture. In Matthew 9, 13, it says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Who is he having mercy on? Not the righteous, but sinners. Well, that's me for sure. I think it's all of us. He wants us to show mercy and we should do that for each other. And it says in James 2, judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has not shown mercy. Oh, well, that kind of brings it on home right there. We need to show mercy because if we want mercy, we need to show mercy. And just because we don't like someone for whatever reason, there's not a reason enough to treat them badly. Because Jesus died for that person. Jesus loves that person. And even if to us, they are not loving or lovable, at the end of the day, perhaps God is saying to us, Will you just be nice to them for me? Will you just do it for me? Well, how can we not say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. We we will show Mm -hmm. them mercy. We will love them because we love you. Of course we'll Mm -hmm. do this. Okay, so we'll go back to the the reading this is the attorney has asked about the greatest (laughs) commandment and jesus has said we're going to love our neighbor love your love the lord and love your neighbor and then he comes back and he says it goes because he wished to justify himself he said to jesus oh who is my neighbor and jesus replied a man fell victim to robbers And as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, they stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction Take care of him. If you spend more than what I've given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Now, which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? And he answered, The one who treated him with mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is a story in the Bible that has been told and retold, and I'm sure we've all heard of it. Whenever we say, oh, the story of the Good Samaritan, we all know that story. But let us hear it with fresh ears today, because it's not just a story in the Bible. It is for us today. It is for now. It is how we are to live our everyday, everyday lives. It is how we are to interact with one another Today. Um, we're to treat each other, walk in love, and treat each other with love. It was an act of love that drove the Samaritan to intervene and help the man who, without the Samaritan's uh, help, would probably have died because he was half dead, the scripture tells us. I really think this is a great reflection, scripture reflection for a Monday morning because, um, I mean, we should be mindful. We should be on the lookout to see this week who God puts in our path. Maybe someone with a physical or emotional or financial Mm -hmm. need will be in a position. You'll be in a position to help this person. Maybe God will place this person in your path and you'll be in a position to help and show the love of God and the mercy to this person. Romans 12, eight tells us that whoever performs acts of mercy should do it cheerfully. (laughs) God loves a cheerful giver. So, I just encourage you this week to be mindful um, of those that may be in your path for a reason that maybe God has placed this person in your path this week for you to show love and mercy to. Yeah. Praise the Lord.
0: I love that. Someone told me once, just think of everyone who comes across your path in a day as walking around with a question mark over their head. And you're saying, God, God. God, why is this person in my path today? <laughs> what do you need me yeah. to do? <laughs> not, not like yeah. why is this person in my path, but like what, what do I need yeah. to do, God? Like this, um, what, what's the purpose of this meeting today? And
1: mm-hmm. yeah, of changes the
0: way you walk around the grocery store. I think right, <laughs> but, um, right. Thank you, Stacy. Speaking of grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> you like my segue? Yeah, <laughs> There's go. a good segue. <laughs> I think um, th- this is something like I've been finding. I've been trying to find a good way to say it for a long time, only because I struggle with it too. Um, Gluttony, and I, I, I posted an article I found on National Catholic Register. It was published by Tan Books, actually, and it was an excerpt from a book they have on their um, product list. But it was a book written back in the 16th century by um, a, um, a a venerab- venerable Louis of Granada. So, and I, I hope I said that right. But he he wrote a book in the 16th century. He was a um, Dominican friar, a favorite spiritual writer for Saint Ter- of Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint John of the Cross, Saint Francis de Sales, Saint Charles Borromeo, Saint Vincent de Paul. Some, he worked, he, he was knowledgeable about some great saints. And he wrote a book called The Sinner's Guide. And Tan Books sells this book. And they posted an excerpt on gluttony the other day. And I, it caught my attention because I don't hear, and this is what I've, I've wanted to say for a long time, but I didn't want to sound mean. I don't hear Catholics talk about this vice against temperance very much. And, and I have heard of criticisms that, you know, we're all real quick, especially those of us in happy marriages. We're real quick to point out to other people, you know, those teenagers are having sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, LGBT, um, talking about all those sexual sins, and saying, "Oh, our culture, our culture, it's going to hell. It's all falling apart." You know, there's there's a lot of truth to that, but we live in a fallen world. There's always going to be that aspect, um, and we do need to point it out and stand up for truth you never hear anybody talk about gluttony. And, mm-hmm. and I do think it is a problem. I've read Laudato Si by Pope Francis. I teach a course at Seton Hall where we talk about science in the church. And I have the students read encyclicals that are relevant to the faith and science issues of our time. And I have them read through some of the pr- publishings of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences these are things the Vatican explores and convenes huge conferences of experts from all around the world, not even Catholics, just experts in the field, because the church wants to stay on top of these issues. And they did a whole, whole convention on um, food loss. They call it FLAW, F-L-A-W, Food Loss and Waste. And um, they they published, it was like back in 2019, so it wasn't that long ago. They publish a big statement on food loss and waste reduction, and uh, in in the context of Laudato Si' from Pope Francis, and it's it's hard hitting. And I don't hear Catholics, at least on the conservative side, the more traditional side, I don't hear them talk about this very much. And I think we do need to talk about it because I do think uh, there is an obesity pandemic in the United States, right, Stacey? You had a, a number on that or something.
1: 40% of Americans are obese and that is two out of every five. That's people, a lot for whatever
0: reason. That's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. And it's, mm-hmm. and if we, if we look at our, I mean, I know we struggle with this cause we're, we're um, aging women <laughs> and, and you know, like, like we're always yeah, I, aware of it. So and I had posted on Facebook about how I, in a moment of weakness and sadness and I had a pain in me and emotional pain, and and I, I literally, and I know it's kind of funny, but it's not funny either. I literally one night when I was trying to drop five pounds, because at my age, if I carry an extra five pounds, my knees start to hurt. It's like carrying around a bag of potatoes and I need to get rid of it and I, I can feel it. And so I was trying not to eat and, and I got upset cause I had some bad news and I had some things happen with my kids that upset me and I was very sad. And so after everybody went to bed, and the house was all quiet. You know what I did? I just went to, that was my first mistake. I went to the pantry and I opened the door. Like I was so hungry. I'm like, I'm just going to look at this bag of Cheetos. I'm not going to eat it. And then I'm like, I'm going to eat one. Um, and, and then I, and then I ate the whole bag. I did. I stood there in the pantry and I ate the whole bag. And then I had to go to bed with my head hung low because it felt really good while I was eating those Cheetos. but. <laughs> But I, but I overate them, and I felt bad the next day. And, and like, seriously, guys, like, I know, I'm, I know you're probably not going to go to hell for eating a bag of Cheetos, but I do think it was a sin. I I know I did it because I, I, I wasn't thinking about the waste. I wasn't thinking about what I was doing to my body. I was using food to fill a void. And, and I know if I lived that way. I would not only feel bad the next day, I would eventually be overweight. And speaking of, you know, the epidemics in, in the country, I would eventually be overweight. And statistically, it is true. If more people are overweight, there is a burden on the healthcare system. It literally means some people who need healthcare don't get it because you're getting the healthcare because you ate too many Cheetos. So, so um. I think we need to talk about it. So, <laughs> so I felt really bad. But gluttony is a real thing. And so this article, like here, here's the catch. This article talks about gluttony and it said, like, the talk was remedies against gluttony. And so like, I'm going to post these on the pantry door so I won't do that again. It says, um, our Savior warns us against this vice, saying, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. The point he's making, like I never thought about this, the first and foremost sin, the very first sin was a sin of gluttony in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve ate the thing they weren't supposed to eat. They had an inordinate desire for food, and he he says it was through gluttony. And he also reminds us that Christ was tempted in the desert um, when he was fasting. He was tempted mm-hmm. with the sin of gluttony. Here's what Saint Thomas Aquinas has to say. He uh, talks about the virtues in the second part of the second part of the Summa Theologiae, uh, the Secunda Secunda Partis, and. It's an interesting section in in this part of the Summa. I love it because he goes through faith, hope, and charity, which is love, the the theological virtues. And then he goes through prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance last. And in the virtue of temperance, he talks about the parts of temperance. And those are where he talks in in that part is where he talks about Abstinence, fasting, sobriety, drunkenness, the virtue of chastity, virginity, lust, uh, incontinence, clemency and meekness, anger, cruelty, modesty, humility, pride, uh, and all of that. So those are all things he takes up. Gluttony is one of them. Gluttony is number Um, 148, if you're looking in the Summa, so the second part of the second part, question 148, he has six articles on gluttony. And in this part, he says, is gluttony a sin? He says, yes, it is a sin. It's not a sin to desire to eat and drink, but what he calls an inordinate desire. That means an excessive desire if we have an excessive and inordinate desire to do something, that's because we're not using our noggin. It's because mm. we're not reasoning. And so like we know, like I said about the bag of Cheetos, I knew, okay, I wasn't reasoning. I wasn't say. I wasn't thinking. I was just consuming. I wasn't saying, Stacy, you're going to feel bad for eating these tomorrow. You're going to feel bloated. You're going to feel sick. You're going to wish you hadn't done it. It's not healthy for you. The kids might've wanted some Cheetos. Um, and, and, <laughs> I, and I just said, I set my reason aside and I did it anyway. And that is not a good thing because we are not, we're not just, you know, dogs who will go eat all the dog food. If it's left out, we can actually reason that we shouldn't do something that it's not good for us. And so that's when it's a sin. That is the sin is when you have an inordinate desire to eat. And he even says, and this is kind of scary. He brings up in article two, is it a mortal sin? And that's always scary. So I just want, I want you to know, we, we Stacy and I are not saying you're a mortal sin. If you overeat, we're not saying that because it's not our job to do that. It's not our business. We can't tell you whether you are or not. I'm just telling you what St. Thomas Aquinas says, because for each of us, it's what we have to think about when we're making decisions. Um, but he says the vice of gluttony can be a mortal sin if it has a hold on a man. And all that he has done mm. valiantly is forfeited by him. As long as the belly is unrestrained, all virtue comes to naught. Mm. And it's kind of like that article was saying, mm. um, if you live that way. OK, so it has to be really serious and grave. If you live that way, and if overeating, inordinate eating has a hold on you, then it kind of wrecks all the other good stuff you try to do. Like you're not being valiant because mm-hmm. you're being so weak and so imprisoned by the food that your your belly is unrestrained and, and you're not doing anything about it. So it's it's like a raise to a lifestyle where you know it every day and you're and you're doing it. It's kind of like addiction. But and and on that note of mm-hmm. it being like addiction. St. Thomas says in the next article, whether gluttony is the greatest of sins. And he says, no, it's not. Because first of all, it's about food. Like we all have to eat. Eating is a good, it's good to eat. It's even good to enjoy your food. And so because we have to eat, it's really easy to fall into the sin of gluttony because we we have to eat anyway. It's not like you can say, I'm going to avoid this near occasion of sin by never eating. You can't do that. So we're we're kind of faced with it every day throughout our lives. And so he doesn't say it's the greatest of sin, but it's a sin against the virtue of temperance. Temperance says that we practice self-control, that we use our reason to guide our will and make good choices. So you have to knowing, you have to know you're making bad choices. He also says if you don't know, like if like say you 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 were lived in a situation where you were starved, this happens to kids. You were living in a situation or a home where you didn't have access to food. I mean, I've heard of people who have fostered or adopted teenagers that didn't have access to food and those kids suddenly having access to food overate all the time. That wouldn't even be a sin because they're not Mm -hmm. doing it on purpose. They're doing it, you could say, out of ignorance because they don't know what it's like to have a regular supply of food. Like if there's a situation like that, it's not a sin either. So the, the sinful part's very clear. Mm-hmm. You have to know your, like what I did with the Cheetos was
1: a sin. If I lived that way
0: every day, it would be a greater mm-hmm.
1: sin. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as the, the adopting, I know exactly. I mean, I witnessed I wondered that firsthand about that with, with kids that have been adopted. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, when, um, one of my daughters, uh, we adopted two internationally and one of them would always, you know, she would just get heaping mounds on her plate. And I just, I kept reassuring her, I promise there's going to be more for you. If you want seconds, you can have it. You know, I I just kept promising her that, you know, she would always have enough to eat. But but there were other families that told me that the the kids would hide food in their bedrooms. They would hide food, just, you know, afraid that they weren't going to get some later. And that's just, you know, I think a lot of them that came from, that had been in an orphanage for a while, that was just something that like you said, it was just a fear. It was just an insecurity. And mm-hmm. it was, um, they just wanted to make sure they had something to eat. No, but um, you also said, when when you talked about kind of when food becomes an, a vice for us, mm-hmm. you know, self-soothing or self-medication or something that just makes us feel better. And I was just thinking when you said that, you know, I do that. I have done that. Mm-hmm. But if if I could just, I had a friend that, Years ago, I had a friend that was very structured and she fasted one day a week, every week. And it just, it just helped her in every area of her life. Yeah. And I, I tried to do that for a while. Um, I should probably do that again because I, I'm telling you when, when I did that, I saw that it did strengthen me in mm-hmm. different areas of my life. We could help each other. Um, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Accountability partners. You're going to so help me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they, they have today?
0: that, that fasting. Do, I, do Wait, I? I call you up every day. Did you fast
1: today, Stacey? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. We can keep people accountable. I mean, there is a lot of people fast now as far as, as like dieting, you know, intermittent hours of the day they're going to fast. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if we're, if we're doing it, for that, then I don't know if that really, I mean, I'm sure that's, that helps. You have to be very self-controlled to do that. You do but. but there is that scripture in the Bible that tells us God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love power and a sound mind and sound mind is self-control. So God has given us what we need to, to do that, to be, um, to have self-control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, yes. you know, if you want to be my accountability partner, <laughs> then I'd love that. <laughs>
0: I gotta get myself on track too. I mean, and I and I, and I have a I have a friend that uh, uh, that does the rosary diet. She told me whenever she like she cut out snacking, which I think that is my biggest temptation is to snack between meals. Oh. She cut I'll have a healthy yeah. meal and then I'll go eat a snack that's not healthy and has more calories than the meal had um, that, so it's the <laughs> snacking for me. She said the rosary diet, whenever she wanted to snack, she would go mm. pray the rosary or make a rosary cause she made them. So I think that mm. that would take some discipline, but I think it would be good. The last thing I want to say about this, like I, I do like, we talk a lot about what kind of older women we want to be. I do want to keep my weight in check, like not, not sinfully. So I don't want to go the other direction and and be like over, over vain about my weight, but I do think it, I do think it gives legitimacy to you as you try, like, I think we need to show that we can practice self-control if we're going to talk to others about practicing self-control. And I'm talking about like the sexual sins, the sins against chastity. Um, I, I think we do need to be an example ourselves of practicing good temperance. Um, with not drinking too much, not eating too much, um, controlling ourselves. So that is one. You know, it, 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 if you if you are falling into that sin of eating a lot and you can't control it, that that's a vice that you unfortunately have to wear. I mean, you know, it shows, and that makes it really <laughs> hard. <laughs> that's because you know, sexual yes. sins you can hide that. Some people can hide that. You don't know, but. Um, it, it's a particularly difficult one. So anyway, I think it's helpful to know what what the what Summa, what Saint Thomas Aquinas said, um, and what is considered vice and virtue. It, it helps; it gives us more to be able to reason with when it's time to talk yourself out of eating that midnight snack that you don't need. It's good to have the the language <laughs> vocabulary and say, "I'm yeah
1: going to use my head." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stacey, so will be calling you at midnight yeah. so you can uh, talk me off the ledge and no. tell me not to eat that midnight snack. You bet. You might hear a bag <laughs> crinkling in the background
0: For <laughs> 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 me getting myself out of it. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, some uh, other time we can talk. I know in the Facebook post there came up some issues about societal issues. Like, do we as Americans... Plain overeat anyway, and none of us even realize it because we live in a country of such abundance. Well, that's a subject for another day. I think there might be something to that, but we'll take that up again later. For now, I'm Stacy Tresenkos. And I'm Stacy Barclayson. <laughs> Until next time.
1: If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see Stacy and for more information.